at the info track. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Many barriers are hindering the rural use of government programs, resulting in a shortage of services where they're critically needed. Joining us is Megan Henley, Ph.D., Research Assistant Professor in the Institute on Disability at the University of New Hampshire. Megan, as we will discuss, there are serious challenges faced by rural residents in accessing government programs. But first of all, tell us how this research was done. Sure, Chris. The research that we did was something called a scoping review, which is really research on research. This is a project that involves a real deliberate approach to identifying existing work on a given topic and summarizing it. So we set out to see what is the existing publications, both white papers and peer-reviewed publications that try to just identify how do programs from both Social Security Administration and others, how well do they do in terms of finding out what barriers there are to information uptake to these programs. What are some of the top barriers that prevent rural residents from accessing government programs? What would some of those barriers be? Sure. One thing we did was to try to identify themes that came up in the research. There were three that we tried to consolidate all the existing studies into. And one thing that came up was, you know, when there's any change to the way that these government programs are communicating, obviously that can affect our knowledge of them. So in the past, lots of workers used to learn about programs like their retirement benefits through Social Security at work through their employers. It was just part of an onboarding program in a lot of different places. That's changed. Also, people used to receive benefit statements in the mail, and this has largely been eliminated. So as a result, this really can impact certain groups more than others. And I think when we think about this in a rural context, as we think about the types of places where people work may vary in rural areas versus others. What about older Americans and people with disabilities? They probably have their own set of obstacles, I would think, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's one thing we were thinking about as well when we were doing this work is that when we know that rural communities tend to have a higher representation of people who are older and people who have disabilities, this is an overlapping issue. So when we talk about disability specific issues, we're talking about rural issues and vice versa. And so these are groups of people who are more likely to be eligible for a lot of these programs. So if we're not doing a good job reaching them, we're not doing a good job overall. Roughly, what percentage of rural residents lack internet access or at least good quality internet access? Broadly speaking, people who live in rural communities are less likely to have broadband internet access or they're less likely to use computers or use the internet to get materials. So when we think about how we're disseminating information and if government programs are saying, we'll put these intake forms online, that obviously expands access in a lot of ways, but disproportionately across the country. So that might not be affecting or helping out people in rural communities as much as in other parts of the country. Are there specific issues faced by homeless veterans and former inmates in rural areas? Yeah. One thing that came up in our research, we found existing work that talked about how there are some communities of people that are just more difficult to reach for obvious reasons. So 
people who are homeless, veterans, and homeless veterans as their own distinct group. These are people who might have, obviously, a more difficult time applying for benefits, let alone finding out information about them. So our typical modes of trying to reach the public might not work for them. And some existing work that's been done in this area, there's been pilot studies that affect, that are trying to find effective ways of trying to reach these folks. So some solutions that have come up have been, for instance, having a dedicated staff person at an agency who can serve as an expert or a liaison to these groups or just simply be available for consultation for like more complicated cases. And obviously this is something that affects certain communities more than others. Our guest is Megan Henley, research assistant professor in the Institute on Disability at the University of New Hampshire. And we're talking about barriers hindering the rural use of government programs. And this is causing a shortage of services. Even for those who are not in rural areas, one of the challenges that's often faced is the design of government websites and the instructions are just not very clear. Is there any way to work on that to make things easier for everybody? I think one thing that previous research has found is that online websites for a lot of local government websites, state government websites, which are these gateways to the federal programs, they're inconsistent in terms of the information that's available and how accessible they are. So clearly there are federal guidelines on accessibility and a lot of the federal sites are in compliance. But when people want to find out information about what resources are available to them, they tend to start at the local level. And so if they go there and the sites are not able to serve the purposes they need, that can be a barrier to getting services in the long run. And obviously that disproportionately affects different groups. Now we've talked about a few of the services. Do you have some others you could mention other than social security, for example? Are there other programs that are widely disseminated that rural people are not getting? Sure. I mean, when we talk about Social Security also, that includes not just retirement benefits, but things like supplemental security income, Social Security disability insurance. So there's the group of Social Security programs, but then also things that are available such as, you know, the women and children program, SNAP benefits, formerly known as food stamps. These are all things that people tend to find out about online, need to apply for online or in person in offices. So we kind of speak broadly to all these different types of federal and state level programs. This digital illiteracy particularly affects older demographics. Can you give us an idea of when we say older, what age are we talking about? You know, much of the research on the older adult population usually is talking about ages 65 and older. But when we're looking at this in some of the work that we found, that varies. Sometimes they'll go as young as 50, which is not very old. And I think a lot of this tends to be a generational issue, right? So the research that we are summarizing here is really everything that's been published since 2012. So when we're talking about people who are 65 and older in the last 10 years, we're really speaking to a generation that maybe didn't have access to the Internet as they were in their working years. And so it may be more of a generational effect. If I'm an older American who's missing out on some of these services and listening right now, what advice would you have for them to maybe get some of these services or at least connect to them? I think that 
The internet is a great source for finding information on the programs that you most need. Traditionally, a lot of people rely on in-person appointments to get their answers to questions. That's not always something that's available to people, as we see particularly in the rural context when offices were shut down or we learned nationwide during COVID when offices were shut down. There were alternative places to go. So I'd say if a field office is not available and a phone number is not working well because of extended wait times, the online services are a great place. And there's usually a local or state level office that can help people navigate those sites. So perhaps going to a public library that might have internet access would be a solution, assuming they have that again in their area. Exactly. Megan, as we wrap this up, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners on how this situation might be improved or steps that are being taken? Yeah, I guess one thing I would add is just that we were invited to conduct this research or this study because the Social Security Administration identified this as an area of concern. We received this funding indirectly from the SSA through the Michigan Retirement Research and Disability Center. And there's just an interest there in trying to understand how SSA can better understand communication preferences of people who may in the future be beneficiaries or recipients. And the rural context is really important to them. And I'd say the more we learn about how we can best reach people in these underserved areas, the more we can benefit everybody more broadly. Megan Henley, Ph.D., Research Assistant Professor in the Institute on Disability at the University of New Hampshire. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for inviting me. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks.